Amen. Let's welcome Pastor Alex as he comes. I got one person that likes me. Where are they at? Thank you. <laughs> Good evening. You know, as, uh, as we open the word tonight, don't put me on the clock yet. we open the word tonight, I just, uh, there's a couple of things. First of all, we serve a jealous God. He's just, he is jealous for me. He loves like a hurricane and I am a tree, right? He's jealous. What's he jealous of? He's jealous of anything that stands between us and everything that is available through him. That's Elquanah is his name. I am jealous jealous of anything that stands between me and you that keeps my best from happening in your life. Amen? I love the fact, Bethany, that you were singing that he's, he's the Lord over cancer, he's the Lord over disease, he's the Lord over death. I was, I was sitting here thinking, death, where's your sting, where's your victory? Nada. Just so that you guys know, we raised $1,800 Sunday morning in two services to send Carol to see her mama. We, you guys did that. The church in action. Now that was $600 more than we needed to, just to do that. And so we were able to just bless that family just a little bit to do that. But let me just tell you what God did. Her flight arrived and touched down at 815 and just a little bit after 1 a.m., her mama went and saw Jesus. <laughs> That's pretty good, isn't it? For the rest of this family's life, they will always remember what you did for them and their mama. Bless you. Father, I just pray that your word would abound. You said if we'll give, Lord, that you'll give back, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. God, that's not why we did it, but that's what you do. Release that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's, that's good. Well, when I said that I thought that I was going to see the glory of the Lord start the clock, when I said that I thought I was going to see the glory of the Lord like never before this year, I had no idea that what that meant was that I was going to have to change at a pace that I was unused to. Even though I love change, I, I embrace change. Matter of fact, I believe with all of my heart that Jesus Christ came so that you'd be changed. And therefore, if you're not changing, you really probably aren't pursuing Jesus like you need to be. So change is good for me. But I have been inundated by the Spirit of God at a, at a depth that I'm not sure that I've ever experienced before. And I'm about to share it with you, and you guys are going to be the benefactors of God's dealing with me. And I think it's going to be good. Sunday's message I've heard a lot from from you, you guys just about how we broke down 
Philippians and talked about the attributes and the attitude of a believer and the expectation of Paul inspired by the Holy Spirit to give us our motives and our moves outward, how we're supposed to respond to things and what it's supposed to look like. And we're going to get another dose of that tonight. But I'm amazed, I'm amazed at the total absence of understanding in our culture of what honor really is. And that's what God is really showing me is how little we honor one another. It, it, we're, we're so far removed from honoring one another that we don't even know that we don't honor one another. And, and what, what, that, 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 that depth of shift in me is, is identifying the absence of honor and, and then identifying in my own self my emotional attachment to a lack of honor. In other words, I can believe very strongly about a topic or an attitude that I have towards something with great emotion that's attached to it, and it's hellish. And I'm convicted by it because it's anti-kingdom. It's, it's, it, is, it is culturally accepted. It's almost expected. It's, we're inundated with it by by media and attitudes and from and every piece of communication that comes towards us, whether it be from, from the left or the right, or oftentimes even from the church. But but I just I I, I just can't help but emphasize and, and hope to carry you down a road to begin to recognize where you're not honoring one another, all men all women, as the Lord would have you honor them and how the Lord would have me honor them. And see your emotional attachment to being righteous. You know, when we look at somebody else and we criticize them severely about how they're missing it, the only way that we can possibly do that is to think what we think is right. You've got to be sold on in everything about you that where you're thinking is right and what they're thinking is stupid or ignorant. And, and even if you do that, what Scripture tells a believer is that we're not to stir that up. We're not to argue about that. We're not to bring strife in that. We're to find things we agree on and honor one another. That is the nature and the character of Scripture so that we can rightly represent God. And what we talked about on Sunday just a little bit is aren't you glad that God doesn't point out on a continuous basis Everything he doesn't like about you. Every, every place you're missing the mark. You know, he just gives you a couple. You know how he gives it to me? He doesn't give it to me like, Alex, you're, you're an idiot and I'm ashamed of you and you're, and you're stupid. He doesn't give it to me that way. What he gives me is his perfection. What he gives me is his goodness. What he gives me is his character and his nature and how he responds and how different that is than how I'm responding. And then I'm able to see myself as I really am. You know, even with Adam, 
God, his spirit, and they're walking in the cool of the day, he didn't accuse Adam. He said, Adam, where are you? He wanted Adam to discover for himself where he was. Where was he? Well, he was divided from God. He was separated from God. He was unlike the Father. And unless the Lord hears from the church, our nation is, doesn't have a chance to be healed. Let me just tell you this. I'm incredibly expectant of every president that is inaugurated. I don't care who he is. I don't care whether I agree with them. I have a hope that he was God-ordained and that the church can do its job. Now listen, whether you agree or disagree with the politics at hand, God has raised up. It says no leader has ever put into a position of authority without God. And so God has raised this leader, whether you like it or not, up. Now, what is going to bring wholeness to the nation of the United States is not this leader. It's not the House of Representatives. It's not the Congress. They are leaders. We voted them in, but they're not the ones that make the change. The only thing God does is set them up, and he expects the church to humble themselves and seek his face and call upon the Lord, and then maybe God can change the church so that the church can begin to do the right thing so that it influences the government so that he can use the government to actually do something. It is the church's responsibility to be changed into the image of Christ, and then, and then Christ can do something. All this stuff that I'm reading, and, and, and I find myself even, if I listen to news media long, well, I find myself either agreeing or being disgusted. Both are wrong. You hear me? Because my attitude gets vindictive. My attitude gets divisive. Everything about me is, is being stirred by hellish forces. It's not righteous anger. And so I have to really watch myself. I know this is not a popular message, but you know what? I really don't care. It's the kingdom of God. Now, you just wait until I get into this, and I better hurry because they got me on a stinking clock. <laughs> I might have to get my pistol. James chapter 3. This is going to rock us, I'm telling you. It's coming. Look at somebody say, this is about to get tough right here. This is about to get tough. This was written so that we would be changed. This was written so that we could change our perspective, so we could change the way we think, that it could that our emotions would be tied to it. Now listen to me. I, I really want you, it's not an emotional thing necessarily, but I want you to understand that I want my, my go-to thing. I want my natural reflexes to be kingdom. You understand what I'm saying? 
I want my natural response to be kingdom. When somebody, I see somebody that is suffering, I want my natural, my natural instinct is to have compassion on them. I don't care if I'm a high D or not. My personality does not make excuse for sin. I need to have compassion on them, and I don't. I need to have mercy upon them. I need to not think to myself, well, they got themselves into this mess. That doesn't need to be my go-to. Well, they made the decisions, and they, that's why they are where they are. That nothing, my, my, it doesn't matter how they got where they are. My go-to needs to be, I want kingdom to rule and reign in this. That needs to be my go-to. I need to be emotionally attached to that. And I'm not. I'll just tell you. You start looking at yourself and hearing what comes out of your mouth, and you'll discover that you're really not emotionally attached to a lot of things this kingdom. You're emotionally attached to worldly opinions that you've been quoting all your life. You'll find yourself sounding like your mother and your father because they said the same things that you're saying. You'll find yourself with attitudes and opinions based on your history and not based on Scripture. And I'm telling you, if you're honest and sober, it's going to be more often than not. It's going to be an eye-opening experience, I promise. You listen to yourself and you think to yourself, was that blessing? Is that kingdom? If it's got fear on it, no. If it's anxious, no. If it's critical, no. If it brings division, no. You listening to me? It's right here. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall, as teachers, receive a stricter judgment or a harsher verdict based on what we teach. I'm going to start with that because I know that there are so many people who want to teach the Word of God, but I was thinking of the front row children's teachers. This applies to you guys as well because you're teachers. At every level, we're teachers. We need to make sure that we understand that as teachers, we shall be receive a stricter judgment from the Lord or, or verdict based on what we're teaching, and we should take it seriously. But that's not what the message necessarily is about. I just wanted to put that in there with you. Then he goes on in verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man or a mature man, able also to bridle his whole body. What he's saying here, make sure when you're teaching, you're teaching the right thing because you can say the right thing, wrong thing. If you say the wrong thing, you're teaching it and the verdict's going to be harder. He says, but, but we all stumble in many things, but if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's mature or perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. In other words, if you can get a hold of your mouth 
You, you, can, you, can, you can get a hold of everything else. And so my measuring stick is what comes out of my mouth because he's about to compare my tongue and what comes out of my mouth to some pretty incredible things, to some pretty awesome things as far as uh, large ships. How many of you have ever been on a cruise ship? Anybody been on a cruise? Or how many have been, was in the Navy and you've been out? You've been out? Me and Mark have been out. Anybody else been out on a destroyer or something? You've been out? You've been out? Anthony? Yeah? I mean, the, 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 the thing that guides that big old ship is small. It's small. He begins to compare in verse 3 this idea of, of being able to get a hold of your tongue, being mature, being perfect, being able to steer your whole body in the right direction in righteousness. And he compares it to this. He says, indeed, if we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. That bit turns their whole body. It, 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 it directs everything that horse does. It says, look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great? A forest, a little fire kindles. It's a small thing, but it can cause great trouble. Verse 6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, unrighteousness. The tongue is a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature or the course of our existence, and it is set on fire by hell. Ah, he's talking about your tongue. And what he's talking about, when he's talking about your tongue and my tongue, is that it sets the course of our very existence. In other words, you probably are where you are based on what you've said in the past. You find yourself in the condition you're in probably because of the way you thought and what you've said has gotten you to where you are. That's what this passage of Scripture says. It says our tongue guides our very existence. Are you all with me? And it is set on fire by hell. You remember yesterday I said, this is what the devil does. He, he's looking for somebody that he can whisper in their ear and they'll just repeat what he says. I, I just... You just can't do that. I just can't do that. Well, that's just not who I am. That's just not who you are. Well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't like doing that. You know, I don't like doing that. 
Well, you know, I've been hurt. Well, you know, the reason I'm like I am is because I've been hurt. See what I'm saying? You tracking with me? That's what this passage of Scripture is saying. And it says that you are in your condition because of what you said. Your very existence is brought about by that. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean poor. That doesn't necessarily mean, you know, whatever socioeconomic class you're in, whatever it might be, because you can be the poorest of poor and be in victory. You can be blessed. You can be happy. Money doesn't make you happy. It helps, but it doesn't make you happy, right? <laughs> it's hard to be happy without it in our culture, but you can be. It's not an impossible task. Is that correct? Some of you poor people want to give me an amen on that. But we can choose and talk ourselves into misery in poverty. But we can do the same thing as if we're rich. We can, we can talk ourselves into misery. So it is the very existence, and it's set on fire by hell, and that's what verse 6 says. And then it says this, For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea that's tamed, has been tamed by mankind, in other words, brought under the dominion of man. But no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Read that with me. Just say that out loud but, and, and say it to you. But my tongue cannot be tamed by man. It is unruly evil full of deadly poison. Now that's what God's Word says about the tongue. Right? You with me? Now let's move it positive. <laughs> so dominion is brought to mankind. And no tongue can be tamed by man. It's full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God. Let's read this together. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the, in the image of God or in the likeness of God. Do, do, do you see a strong contrast here? We bless God our Father, and we curse men who are made in His likeness. Is he correcting us? What's he correcting us with? He's correcting the cursing of men, is he not? How do you curse someone? He's an idiot. You know, the Bible says don't call any man a fool. But we say, well, that person's an idiot. Or they're just not very smart. Or they deserve it. Or... You name it, <laughs> I could get creative. Wouldn't be very pastorly, but I could get creative. We say all kinds of evil about people, and then we make excuses for it. But what God says, well, let's just say that Marana was not a godly person, that she was running around doing all kinds of things she shouldn't be doing. Is she created in the image of God? Yes. So it doesn't matter whether she's holy and righteous 
and covered under the blood, does it? It it makes absolutely no difference. What matters is, is that she was created in the image of God. And so we see the right in the political realm, which is so loud and saying all kind of stuff on this. And then we have the left saying the same stuff about the other. And it's absolutely venomous in, in, in our nation. We have the same thing happening in the church. I get emails all the time, or every now and again, not as much as I, you know, I have in the past, but every now and again you get an email that tries to bring correction to the way, the way you're doing things. Preachers get it all the time. But I'm also guilty of doing the same thing. You know, I can think of, of pastors and, and den- whole denominations that are supporting the LBG community and, and raising up actual ministers in their church, and, and I curse them because of some of the stances they have. But some of them are still preaching Jesus is the only way to heaven. Now, I don't know how those two go together, but how I'm convicted is I'm not convicted by what they're doing. I'm convicted by my response toward them because they're created in the image of God. And I've got to watch everything that comes out of my mouth because all hell could come out and I could be used by the enemy to bring curses on something that God wants to bring redemption to. God wants to redeem it all, and he wants us to speak redemption. He doesn't want us to speak curses even though they may be wrong. But to really come across as really critical and really arrogant, what we do is we look pompous and self-righteous. As if we don't have anything wrong with us. As if we have our act together when God could probably give us a list of things that don't look like Him. Are you you tracking with me? And He's saying out of us believers that there are curses coming out of our mouths. We sing praise to the Lord. God, you love us, you love us, you love us. You don't love them idiots because they're not getting it right over there. Thank you. That's beating our chest. Said, I'm glad I'm not like them, God. And we speak it all the time. You're going to hear yourself now. You're going to hear yourself. Because you would not imagine how much you do it. It's going to wear you out. It's going to kill you. It's killing me. But God is saying, he's saying, listen, he says the tongue, the tongue can't be tamed by man. It's an unruly evil. It's full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father. And with it, we curse men who are who are made in his likeness, out of the same mouth foreseeing blessings and curse. Brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? 
know. Can a fig tree, brethren, bear olives, or a grape tree bear a grapevine bear figs? No. Thus no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. In other words, you should bless everything. Now you're not gonna bless sin, right? You're not gonna bless sin. But you're going to honor the person because they're created in the image of God. Does that make sense? You're not going to bless their sin. You're going to bless the person praying that redemption come to them. How many of you are glad that Jesus' redemption came over your sin-filled life? God found me in a mess. And I, he's still cleaning up the mess. He hasn't stopped. And when I take on the posture and position of judgment and self-righteousness sort somebody who, who might not think like I do about a topic, then I'm, am, I'm cursing where I need to be blessing. And I need to be speaking those blessings so that the kingdom of heaven can come on that individual or that person or that situation. God's depending on me to do that. And this is what he says. It's hellish. It's a fire. It's, it, and it's hellish. It defiles the whole body. It sets on fire your very existence and the course of your life is set on fire by hell based on what you speak. And then he says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Let me read that one more time. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. What that's saying is if you are motivated by bitter and envy and self-seeking, you can't speak truth. If there's a pastor or a church that's motivated by envy or bitterness or self-seeking in their hearts, it's contrary to truth. So we've got to be careful to make sure that we, in our meekness of wisdom, have good conduct. Verse 15, this wisdom does not descend from above, this self-seeking, bitter envy, does not come from above, but is earthly and sensual and demonic. For where there's envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every other kind of evil is there. Do we live in a self-serving, self-seeking society? Are we bombarded by self-seeking, self-serving media? 
Can we buy into it? Can we believe it? Can we, you know, we attach ourselves emotionally to it? Absolutely we can. But the wisdom that is from above in verse 17 says, is first, listen to this, pure. If you, it, how do you know wisdom comes from above? How do you know you're walking in wisdom that comes from above? Well, first of all, it's pure. Secondly, it's peaceable. It's gentle. It's willing to yield. It's full of mercy and good fruit without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Listen, the church has begun it's, we've got to understand that we cannot act like this. Conservative politics, for the most part, is not Christian. Neither is the liberal. I don't see either one acting like this. So don't get confused. It's not the church. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful what you buy into. Be careful what you read on Facebook because it can become your heart and then you can be motivated by doing the things that you're reading in your heart. Be careful because it doesn't look like what Peter's writing, what Paul's writing. What James is writing in Scripture of the attributes and the nature of a believer. And, and I just don't believe for one second. Not, there's not an ounce of me in me, and I believe it's from the Lord, that we have any possibility of redemption or help through our current political climate. And it's the responsibility of the church to seek the face of God where our help comes from that can change a whole culture. Nineveh repented every last one. 30,000 people put on sackcloth and ashes and repented before God. A nation can repent. There is hope for our nation. The hope's just in the church. And the only way that the nation is going to listen to the church if we start being the church that's in the scriptures, not the church that's on the television, but the church that's in the scriptures. Help us, mighty God, to get past the, the, the warm fuzzies and get back to the hard thing, which is to look at my soul, how I'm emotionally attached to a negative, divisive, disunifying attitude, and I can argue you into a corner because I believe it so badly. But it looks nothing 
like kingdom. And so for me, I'm finding that my heart is wicked. Above all else, a finding that I'm a man of unclean lips amongst a people of unclean lips. I'm examining my heart and I'm asking the Lord to show me every moment, every time that something hellish comes out of my mouth because that's what that little thing does. And I know that as I speak hell over things and I agree with hellish forces, that it's going to, it's going to move my life that direction because that's what Scripture tells me. And so not only am I blessing the thing that God created, not only I'm mean, cursing the thing that God created in His image, but I'm doing it with a mouth that supposed to give praises to Him. Praises to his creation. And so my, my heart is broken for the, for the church. And I'm the church. To portray an attitude of godliness and holiness and consecration where we really because we've spent time with the Holy Spirit, we understand what it really means to honor one another, to honor all men, to honor all women with an attitude that would please the Lord. The last thing I want to do is offend anyone. But I do want us to recognize the fact that there's a major difference. I've got so many friends. I was talking about one this week. I've got so many friends that aren't going to church anymore because of what the church did to them. Because it wasn't an attitude that is found in Scripture. They used people so that they could accomplish their own agenda. And that's not what the church is supposed to be. I don't ever want to be that. Lord, help me not ever be that. But I also, I don't know how to honor you. I want to. I'm learning. I'm learning. That's just not very good at. Because I've got 56 years of likewise or otherwise. I've got 56 years of emotional attachments to attitudes that aren't scriptural. So, 
just the power of the Holy Spirit. The good news is there's hope for me, and there's hope for you. There's great grace that can be applied to our lives, and we can become what the Scripture says. But here's the deal. That tongue is evil. You better watch it. Listen to what you say. And you people who don't talk much, it's not fair. (laughs) You quiet people, I'm already mad at you, so don't even give me any lip. But you, you hear the word of God. a chance to practice this this week you're going to go to work in the morning most of you you're going to be involved with people you're going to hear what you say about yourself you're going to be able to pray blessing on yourself or misery you're going to be able to pray hope on yourself because you trust in the Lord or hopelessness you're going to be able to speak encouragement to yourself because you have faith in God or discouragement because you don't have faith or you think you're on this alone or whatever it might be. But what you say is important because it's your very existence. It will take you somewhere. I just want to make sure that the words I say take me somewhere. Father, we're we're going into this world, into this culture, into this climate, political divisiveness in our nation, racial divisiveness in our nation, name-calling, dishonoring. not your people, not your church. I refuse I refuse to be sucked in. I take a stand on your word and on your promises. And I take every thought captive and I hear every word I say, Lord, and I'm responsible for it. And I recognize its harm or its redemptive quality. And I choose redemption. I choose honor. Father, I know that bitterness and envy and strife are counterproductive. Say that with me. If that's you, 
just say, I choose Jesus. Yeah? Jesus' name. Amen. I'm six minutes and ten seconds over. Stupid clock. They even got it in red. But it's before 8 o'clock. If you haven't, uh, I would encourage you to friend would request Pete and Shannon Ward. If you've got your phones, you can do it now on Facebook. Pete, uh, Shannon Ward, I don't know if Pete even gets on Facebook, but Shannon does. Shannon Ward. Friend her and encourage her. Pray for her. Just send her a little something and say, man, the Lord's got you on my heart or, or anything. And I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that as we sing, she can be healed. And if we don't keep her, whether she has hope, whether she feels like she's encouraged, if we can help with that, let's do that and see if we can't get that brain producing something that's going to kick that cancer's butt. Amen? Shannon Grant Ward. Amen. Little Rivers in the hospital. Did we say that already? Little Rivers in the hospital. He's got an infection in his bone marrow. Father, we just pray healing and health to them. We pray your blessing on that family. Go ahead and pray out loud. We pray healing and health to River. We speak it. We ask 